0: Let's get on with the show. All right,
1: hey everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Thoughtful Entrepreneur. I'm your host, Jen Amos. And today I have with me the founder and CEO of Fangled Tech, Andrew Deutsch. His website is fangledtech.com. And hey, he also is the host of the podcast show, The Fangled Cast. Andrew, welcome to the show.
2: Hey, thanks so much for having me on, Jen.
1: Yeah, and if people are watching video, uh, they just have to, I, I just have to share how impressed <laughs> I am with your whole setup. And I know this is just one of many scenes for you that you have going on and you've been able to master, uh, OBS, which is a, you know, a free uh, program that anyone can download to create this amazing production. And I think in a time, right, like right now, um, video is everything, like how you look on, on video is everything. And however you have been on video, I've been using video for 20 years. So Andrew, let's open up with that. Like, do you sure. feel like this is kind of like your time to shine? Like, yeah. Like, I'm doing this like time for Zoom. It's me. I'm here.
2: <laughs> it's you know, I, I worked mostly overseas in the early part of my career. So I was mm. gone for 20 years on the road.
1: Wow. And
2: um, the only way that I could communicate well within the office, be part of meetings, uh, even see my kids, my wife, when I was on extended trips was through video conferencing. Before Skype existed, you could video conference. Mm.
1: Um
2: So it, it, it became it became just sort of part of part of my life.
1: What was before Skype? See, I'm a millennial, so I don't know. <laughs> before,
2: before Skype, we, we communicated with smoke signals. Oh, we, you didn't mean that far back? <laughs> no, no. We used to be in the caves and we would beat, beat with a rock. Get- <laughs>
1: okay, I, I don't think you're way back there. I, I don't think you're that, <laughs> that seasoned I, in life, Andrew. <laughs> I,
2: I'm only deflecting because I can't remember the name of the stupid program that we used to use. <laughs> but, but it was... Um, it it was something it was a Microsoft product at the time mm. that we used and it, it was built for companies to be able to video conference. Yeah, and amazing. It was extremely wonky. And all of the movies where you see them making fun of it are <laughs> less silly than the people who are actually using the <laughs> using the software.
1: Oh, but, that's hilarious.
2: You know, it and, and I I do what I do now in in the video format because I just think it's it's so important when you can't be in the room. Yeah. How, how can you be in the room when you can't be in the room? How can you 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 emotionally connect with the people that you're trying to do business with Mm -hmm. when you're just a a head, you know, and people have these crazy backgrounds where, you know, you're talking to somebody and they got the beach behind them and they move around and their hands disappear. Right. Um, Appearance and, and, and connect, connecting with folks is very important. So we, we, we've developed a way to use OBS and we created a training program that we, we, we actually sell that gets people to be able to be present in the room when they can't be there and connect with their audience and be memorable.
1: Yeah. I, I appreciate that, Andrew, because in a time right now where it's just everything zoom, you know, for yep. for work and for pleasure, you know, yep. it's it's a lot.
2: Let me let me give you an example. Those that are listening on audio are gonna go, well, what's this all about? But <laughs> I, I get tired of the old cliche. What's your elevator speech? So when somebody asks me to give my elevator speech, I bring <laughs> the elevator along <laughs> and do my elevator speech. And, and it's it's it. it's my way of just, you know, nobody forgets that one.
1: No, not at all. Because like you're being very literal about it. (laughs) Yeah,
2: Yeah, because it's funny.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's hilarious. Well, well, Andrew, let's go ahead and talk a little bit about about your company, Fangle Tech. Uh, You are a strategy first marketing and sales company. Let us know what that means. Strategy first marketing and sales company.
2: Let me start with what we're not to Mm. explain that. So the typical pitch from an agency that really needs to rethink how they go to market, they get with their client and they say, the reason you want to work with us is we can build you the most beautiful website in the world. We can mm. drive 100,000 people to it. We can get you a social media strategy with thousands, maybe millions of followers. Mm-hmm. And then the company comes back and says, well, we make a specific type of mechanical fastener that's only used on the landing gear of an airplane. And there's only maybe 1,000 customers in the world that could ever buy this product. What am I going to do with that? Mm-hmm. So in other words, why, why, why do we consistently jump to the tools before we know what we're going to build. So a strategy first company goes, let's figure out who your customer or customers really are. What are Mm -hmm. their pains? What are their desires? What are their needs? Mm -hmm. And then how do you as a company differentiate in a way that when you give that message to them, solving their problems in the way that matters to them, also in a way that no one else who has alternative solutions to those problems could possibly compete. And yeah, that's just that's what the strategy is about. And and we say alternative solutions, not competitors, because a direct competitor, is someone who kind of does what you do. An alternative mm-hmm. solution is another way of solving the problem that you don't do. Mm-hmm. So, you know, say you, you make screws. Mm-hmm. Other guys who make screws are maybe even nails, mechanical fasteners or competitors. You know who else is is an alternative solution? Glue, adhesive, twine. Snap together parts. Mm-hmm. Um, all of those are alternative solutions to the problem of somebody who might be buying a screw. Mm.
1: I, I really like that approach focusing on the strategy because, like, you know, I'll get emails from people saying, hey, we can help you grow your followership. We can help you yeah. grow your, you know, reach. And what I've come to learn uh, being in social media for basically since it's existed as a millennial, um, you know, popularity doesn't e- always equal profitability. You know, like you can create a lot of noise, but, you know, it doesn't always you know, equate to anything.
2: Yeah. There's, there's right now this week, there's this big thing going on LinkedIn. Everybody's putting a poll, mm-hmm. creating polls on LinkedIn because, oh, I get 30,000 people view my poll as mm-hmm. if that's a victory.
3: Mm-hmm. And,
2: and it to me, it's, it's, it's a tactical thing. Yeah. I got 30,000 people saw my name today. Maybe someday that could matter. But today, how many of those 30,000 people did you engage with? Did you discuss the ability to do business with it? Either you benefit or they benefit. And it turned into a sale and engagement and money. Yeah. Um, It's again, you know, what good does it do you? Right. Um, If you went to the 4th of July fireworks show and they put up four less explosions than they did last year, would you know? (laughs) It's, it's that kind of mindset Mm. and this idea of vanity connections. I have 30,000 followers on LinkedIn. Well, mm-hmm. let me see who they are. Well, these are guys in a third world country who disassemble ships in the ocean, and you've got guys who are meat cutters in a facility in South America. How, how is that having all of those connections benefiting your business? And yeah, you, you get the argument back. Well, they might have someone in their network, and if they're engaging, it's it. It's like playing poker. It's not. Right. It's not truly strategic marketing nor networking to, to truly grow your business and your, and your personal brand and your career.
1: Where do you think this whole vanity approach to quote unquote, building your business, you know, with vanity, where did, where did that come from? Is that maybe because the rise of social media and like how we've been in, you know, compelled to like go for the red notifications and stuff like that?
2: Yeah. I I think there's, there's a lot of factors. I think Mm -hmm. it's kind of, it's kind of thrilling for a lot of people to think that 30,000 people saw what I did. Oh my gosh, I'm famous. Um, You know, it, it used to be much harder to be considered famous, mm. um, and and nowadays, um, all it takes is one really stupid thing that you did that got caught on camera, and the next thing you know, you're on late night TV talking to to a host about the silly thing that you did. Mm-hmm. I, I I yesterday when I got the second dose of my vaccine, some I'm not going to go into the details of the argument. Some guy started an argument with me about mm-hmm. about the vaccine. Yeah. And I responded in a way that I thought was probably over the top for me.
1: Mm
3: -hmm. And
2: after I walked away from this this conversation, two people said, oh, my God, I'm so sorry I didn't have my camera on because that would have been great for YouTube." And I said, I'm glad you didn't. I don't need to go (laughs) viral because I responded in a way that probably wasn't (laughs) wasn't within my normal uh, response to, to people I encounter in public
1: it also just, it also just kind of bothers me that that's what people automatically think of like, oh my gosh, this is going to go viral. Like, oh, I wish I caught Mm -hmm. that on camera. Oh, I wish I put that out there, you know? And it's like, why? Like for what? For that temporary high of being seen, you know, which I guess it's, I I guess it's just one of those things that we all inherently want is to be seen. Right. And, um, but I think that those types
2: it's I don't know that everybody wants it, but I think it's encouraged and, and it's sort of a badge of of honor that something you did went viral. Mm. I had never used Instagram,
3: mm-hmm. and
2: my I was seeing applications for it with a project that we were working on. So I wanted to understand Instagram better for, for my clients. So mm-hmm. I created an account, and my my oldest, well, my middle middle daughter was showing me how she uses it.
3: Mm-hmm. And I
2: walked over to my aquarium, and I filmed a clownfish playing in an anemone. Just hope you know they go in and out, mm-hmm. and, and put it out there. And my first. Instagram post got like 4,000 views and she was going crazy. And my response was, is that good? <laughs> what, what, what does that do for me? It, it doesn't mean anything. Yeah. For some reason, that image, um, and by the way, it was 4,000 views in like less than an hour, <laughs> which now I know is actually something, but, um, <laughs> that is it, pretty it, impressive. <laughs> it's meaningless. It didn't add anything to my life. I'm sure there's some people out there who had fun watching a fish playing in the anemone, but at the end of the day, did I really change the world? Probably not.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, let's go ahead and talk about your process, Andrew. Um, sure. You don't have to like name drop companies or people you've worked with. Totally up to you. But you know, give us an example of a client or a company you've worked with where um, you help them really focus on that strategy first. Um, you know, before before the marketing.
2: Sure. Uh, in in the industrial space, let's talk about products that most people would think are rather boring. Mm-hmm. So I, I worked for a couple of years in, in a project involving the steel drum industry. Steel drums are uh, what you they fill with chemicals, coatings, paints, mm. 55-gallon drums. They weigh 40-something pounds. They're made of steel. Most people don't don't know much more about it, except that that's what the bad guys hide behind in, in shoot-em-up movies, as that's if somehow, very true. Can, as if somehow <laughs> bullets can't go through metal. But that's a whole other thing. Well, the, <laughs> the company that I was working with uh, had been in business since the early 80s, mm. they had grown steadily, but they really wanted to boom. Mm-hmm. And we went to, to really look at why people did business with them. So we asked them, well, what is it about your company that excites the market? and How do you do business?
3: Mm-hmm. And
2: they say, well, we use American-made steel. You can trace it back to the mill if there's a leak. That's good. We mm-hmm. do all of this testing in-house so that we can pass for the Department of Transportation standards. We have ISO quality certification. And they went through all of these things. And that's why people do business with us. Mm. I looked at that and I said, all of those things are just the requirement for showing up for work or in poker table stakes. Mm -hmm. You can't be in the steel drum business without using steel, without meeting these standards, without doing the. Those are those don't matter. Mm -hmm. It's interesting that that's how you've been promoting your business. So we went and we talked to the top customers in the history of the company who who are customers that have been with them for over 20 years that never left. Why do you do business? Mm -hmm. And we talked to customers that split their supply between them and a competitor. And we talked to customers that stopped buying or or don't buy much. Mm -hmm. And there was one consistent that all of them became the number one reason. They answered the phone. Number two reason people did business with them is that when, as a buyer, there's a shift in my production and I need different quantities or a different product right away, nobody else had the flexibility Mm. to get it to me quickly. Competitors could take a month or two. And the third is when they goof and I get a bad product or something that leaks, which can happen, Mm -hmm. they take responsibility immediately and they fix it. Mm -hmm. Whereas competitors, it could take two months to get through their bureaucracy. So the real reason people did business with them wasn't a product issue at all. It was a personal touch and service issue. And when they completely changed the messaging of the company about that to people who weren't doing business with them, they recognized well, the competitors suck in this area. These are the guys I want to do business with. And the business boomed. Wow. The numbers, the numbers were incredible. As a matter of fact, the owner of the, the company was able to grow it higher than what his expectation was and was able to sell the business for a significant profit.
1: Wow, that's incredible! So you know, really, you're able to rather than kind of like the bells and whistles of what they do, it's really about that uh, responsiveness that they uh, provided for their customers, mm-hmm. customer service, as you mentioned. Um, yeah. and it it took someone like yourself to have to have an eye and make that observation to be like, hey, like this is why your your customers are really you know showing up and why they've been with you for a long time. Let's reflect that into your messaging.
2: Yeah, the paradigm in, in education and marketing has been forever. You mm-hmm. want to sell those, those features and benefits, features and benefits. We don't believe in that. We don't mm-hmm. you don't sell features and benefits, you sell benefits. Benefits are what people buy, and the features are your reason to believe and proof that the benefits are real.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: So, you know, when you're selling somebody a new car, you're not selling them a steering wheel, you're not selling them wheels, you're not selling them horsepower, all of that stuff. You're selling them, depending on what their pains and needs are, maybe you're selling them security. Mm. I know I can get to work every day safely there. You're selling them uh, an image. If I drive this car, people of the opposite gender are going to love me or the same gender depending on yeah. who <laughs> it, it could be I'm buying that car because every time I hit that accelerator and it pushes me back, I feel like a powerful person. Those are the things. Uh, if I buy this car, I'm going to be a better dad to my kids. Mm. That's how car that's how people buy cars.
1: Right, right.
2: Now, once you believe that that's what you want, now it's up to the manufacturer to show you that the features of that vehicle will meet that benefit that you think you're going to get on the purchase.
1: I like that. So really, the strategy that you're doing is, um, you know, maybe first you ask, what are you selling? But then the follow-up is, no, what are you really selling? It's like so. It's going much deeper from the bells and whistles and the features and benefits to like what problem in someone's life are you trying to fix, or what, what, you know, what, what are you trying to, yeah, what are you trying to solve for another person? Uh-huh. And it's sometimes it's often much deeper than what you say you're selling on the surface.
2: Yep, on the consumer packaging side, it's a a, a very small client that came to us that we did some research for. Mm-hmm. They two two brilliant women inherited a business from their grandfather. It's a diaper rash cream formula that was from 1927. Wow. Never changed. Mm -hmm. And and they've had growth over the years. They see three to 5% growth. Well, we we looked at their marketing and they have beautiful imagery. If you go on the website, it's very attractive and otherwise, but it's missing something. Mm -hmm. They're out promoting the amount of zinc and the ingredients of the product. Mm. Well, when you start to do interviews with moms-to-be Moms that have babies at home and in-laws and, and other people who are, who are involved. And, and you also talk to the dads in those situations and, and men that have been involved. The real reason that people make a choice in their diaper rash cream has nothing to do with the ingredients. don't even know what the ingredients are. If you say to someone, if there's more zinc in that, will it be better for you? I don't mm. know. What <laughs> they do want is they want a healthy baby. They want a good night's sleep. Mm. And they want to be able to tell everybody else around them, including their in-laws, I'm a good parent. Leave me alone. Mm. This is my proof, and when you yeah. change the messaging, that's what you're selling: is a healthy baby, a good night's sleep, and the ability to show that you're a good parent. The promotional structure for that product and, and the attractiveness to 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 the desires of the people who buy it completely changes.
1: Yeah, well, I, I appreciate the examples uh you've given so far, Andrew. Um, I think by now, you know, our listeners or even prospective clients would probably want to know uh, how to reach out to you, considering just how I think great your strategy is. So what would that process look like? You know, maybe from the moment they visit your website or what have you, you know, what does it take for someone to be your client?
2: Well, they got to have a fax machine. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) Um, Maybe two soup cans and a string like we did when (laughs) we were kids. No, we can go to the website, fangledtech.com and and send us an inquiry. You can find me on LinkedIn.
3: Mm -hmm. I'm that
2: guy with my name on LinkedIn. Um, (laughs) You also, you also can check out, go to YouTube and, and, Search out Fangledcast, Cast, mm-hmm. our podcast, to, to get a better feel for what we do, uh, and and some of those interviews. There's mm-hmm. lots of ways to engage.
1: Yeah, I love that. And also, what I really appreciate about uh, your company, Andrew, is that uh, you have a team of 95 freelancers, uh, and you know you work in the global market as well as domestically. So tell us about that. Just that ability sure. to, you know, be able to work virtually.
2: Yeah. Well. We Over the years, and, and like I said, most of my career was overseas, we have affiliates mm. that we can work with in about 120 different countries now. Mm. Um, and, and rather than having an in-house team with a specific specialty that may never line up with who the next client would be, mm-hmm. uh, we've vetted and we've been working with these different freelancers in, in different areas of strategy and in graphic design, um, application, web development, so we can build a team with our freelancers specific to that project without wasting resources. Mm. And, and most of, most of our, our folks are here in the U.S., um, mm. although we do have some overseas, uh, depending, depending on the project and what's needed.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: So, so if somebody comes in with a consumer packaging uh, issue or, or cosmetic or something that they want to bring to market, I'm not going to take and say to you, well, the, this guy in my office is an expert who really works with law firms. Mm-hmm. which by the way, we don't do. We don't do uh, legal and, and insurance and things like that. But the typical issue with a lot of agencies that we've dealt with over the years is they have a fixed team of folks who think that they're an expert in everything. Mm. And although strategy at the strategy level, it's very similar between all businesses because you really want to understand the humans, the business, to human model, mm-hmm. to build that strategy from when it comes to the actual implementation and application it helps to have people that have experience in those in those silos that you're those those market segments that you're working.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's astounding. Um, wow. Well, I feel like I learned so much from you uh, already in the short time that we've been chatting, Andrew. But let us know. Um, you know, the show is called Thoughtful Entrepreneur. It's all about speaking to the thoughtful small business owner and entrepreneur. Let us know any parting advice that you would like to share with them.
2: Yeah. Any Any time that you're looking at. Anything that you're going to do in business, look at those motivators first and build a strategy before you start playing with all those cool tools that are so much fun to implement.
1: Thank you, Andrew, so much for joining us. Um, any other fun fact you want to share about yourself? I just feel like, you know, even when we're talking offline, it was just really great to talk to you. So anything else you want people to know about you uh, personally?
2: Um, I. That's an interesting question. I mean, I, I spent... Uh, in 1993 I went down to Brazil on a 90day project ended up living there for 10 years where I built my business.
1: Wow um, so that's fine. You know, the,
2: the, there are very there are very few people that I know who who've traveled and worked and successfully built business in so many places around the world. Mm-hmm. Um, so a, a lot of a lot of the experience that we bring to the table for our clients is completely different then you'll find in almost any other, any other consulting firm in, in, in the country.
1: Fantastic. Well, Andrew, it's been such a pleasure having you on our show. Thanks again for joining us on the Thoughtful Entrepreneur.
2: Hey, thank you so much. I had a blast.
1: Yeah. And again, to our listeners, this is Andrew Deutsch. He is the founder and CEO of Fangled Tech, also the host of the podcast show, The Fangled Cast. Learn more about him and his company at fangledtech.com. Thank you all so much for joining us. And we'll chat with you in the next episode. Tune in next time.